Hey, and welcome to Influencers Cafe. This is Nikos. Today I'm with Devin Roth. How's it going, buddy? Hey, good to see you again. So Devin was on my other podcast and we talked a lot about tech, but he's also a talented comp- composer for movies. So what was it? What came first? Was it music or was it um, tech programming? <laughs> uh, definitely music. Um, I started... Um, well, my parents got me started in music when I was really young. Um, so, I don't know, probably as young as I was able to walk. Although, interestingly enough, neither of them are actually musicians. Um, they don't play any instruments. My dad says he plays the radio. Uh, my mom knows how to play a couple things on the piano, but neither of them really um, did much in terms of music. Um, but they, they knew it was important, so they they really encouraged me from a young age. So I had, you know, um, some, actually, you know what? I have the first instrument I ever got here. I just got it from my parents. So it's, it's this, this thing right here. Um, this is a, uh, uh, sort of zither, although I'm missing a string now. Oh, Um, but yeah, it was, it was this. Can you play the tune? Yeah, it's really neat. Can you play me a tune? (laughs) Well, I think, I think it's out of tune, but that's, Oh, I was just about to ask you to play that. <laughs> That's my first song I learned to play. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was the first instrument I ever got. And I went to a private school growing up, Waldorf. Um, are you familiar with Waldorf at all? Um, they're, they're, uh, uh, there's a lot of them in Europe, and they really tend to focus a lot more on arts than, say, traditional education. Um, so there was a lot of music there, but I never really took any formal lessons till I was about 10. Uh, so I started doing piano lessons when I was about 10. Uh, no, back it up. When I was about 8, I started violin lessons first. And then when I was 10, I started doing piano lessons. Um, and it was something that I wanted to do, so I actually asked my parents if I could start mm-hmm. piano lessons, and uh, like I really enjoyed it. I started um, uh, practicing and learning. And one thing that really, really inspired me and got me going, um, I think just in general, I'm a creative type. I love creating things, whether that's music or code. It really really scratches the same itch for me. Um, I got introduced to jazz when I was kind of an early teenager and the, the improvisation aspect of jazz really, um, grasped me and, uh, it's improvisation is, you know, there's a lot of creativity there. You're creating things on the spot. And I really, really love that and kind of pursued that. Um, so after, um, after high school, I went off and um, pursued music uh, at McGill University in Montreal and did did jazz studies. Um, uh, so the, the tech thing kind of really came kind of afterwards. I think my sort of first foray into the tech world was, well, I, I think I mentioned on the other podcast, um, programming graphing calculators yeah. when I was um, in high school. 
which was kind of fun. And then just took that, you know, took some side classes when I was in college, just studying mm-hmm. music, um, sort of tech classes. But uh, I don't know. I've always been really intrigued by figuring things out. Um, uh, growing up, I would take my dad's expen. I took my dad's expensive stereo apart just because I wanted to see nice how it one. worked. <laughs> I couldn't get it back together. It didn't work after that. <laughs> so I don't know what I learned. But anyway, it was just that sort of – I like like really getting in and analyzing things and figuring out how they tick. Um, so that you know goes with tech and it goes with music. I think the, the similar sort of skills in that regard. You've worked on a lot of, a lot of movies, I see. Yeah. Um, so after I – so after, after McGill, I went off to – Boston studied at uh, New England Conservatory and um, there. And then when I was finished, um, I did something crazy and moved out to LA. I literally knew nobody there. I, I had one friend from college that lived there. Um, and I just moved out to LA and was like, hey, I want to see if I can get into this uh, film music um, world here. And I was just really fortunate to meet some great people that uh, introduced me to other people, that introduced me to other people. Um, and and um, eventually I met uh, this composer-orchestrator, Tim Davies. And Tim Davies uh, took me under his wing. Um, and just a little about Tim. Tim is uh, um, pr- probably the busiest uh, film orchestrator in Hollywood right now. So he, he just finished working on, um, uh, his biggest, most recent project, I think was the, uh, frozen two. So he worked on frozen one. He's worked on frozen two. He's worked on a ton of different stuff. And, um, I met him, uh, you know, actually this is really relates back to the tech side of things. Um, composing for film takes a tremendous amount of tech knowledge. Um, and when I when I met Tim, someone gave me his email address, and uh, actually I, um, I I met him through a couple people. I just randomly was teaching his daughter's best friend piano at the time, and uh, so I emailed Tim. I was like, "Hey Tim, I'd really like to meet up with you." He invited me over to a studio, and we were just kind of hanging out. And he had gotten um, and while we were talking, he got a got an important call from a producer or a director on a project he was he was working on, and he um, was like, "Oh, excuse me, I got to work on this thing." And he was having some tech issues. I was like, "Here, let me just help you. It's like this, blah 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 blah." And uh, a couple days later, he gives me a phone call. Hey, could you come uh, work for me and <laughs> and do stuff? <laughs> so it was just you know being in the right place at the right time. And he's brought me in on a, a lot of really great uh, great projects. So Guillermo de Toro's uh, um, Netflix series Troll Hunters and um, a bunch of a uh, bunch of other stuff. And he's introduced me to other people um, that you know got me to work on. Um, some shows like Hotel Transylvania, um, Ice Age. Um, what what was the yeah. tech issue that you had back in the day? Um, I don't I don't specifically remember. Uh, we were, uh, mostly used this program Cubase, um, <clears throat> uh, Cubase for for composing, and 
know, there's always there's always a battle between um, composing and and tech. Um, you kind of you kind of want the the technology to just sort of not be there. Exactly. And and when things don't work, it's really kind of frustrating because it it kind of messes up the the state of mind that you're in. You're you're trying to work on some music, and the program's not doing what you want, and <laughs> that's kind of frustrating. I mean, it's always been that way, and I don't think it's going to change. It's you know we I think it this is sort of the ultimate goal that we want with technology is for it to improve our lives without the added extra burden <laughs> that it generally seems to uh, cause us. Um, so I don't remember what the specific problem was, but <laughs> um, I, it clearly demonstrated that I knew knew the uh, technology side of things uh, well enough that I would be helpful. <laughs> So I guess with the the VSTs, virtual, basically, it's MIDI supplied. MIDI comes into the computer, and the computer adds recorded instrument sounds on top of it. But I guess with with real or orchestral stuff, you're going to hear more no, no, noun, I can't nuances, 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 <laughs> nuances. Yeah, it's just my, I mean, people, people. I get most of my comments are on my Scottish accent, but. <laughs> I don't think people like all the ooing and eyeing and, and stuff like that. I say, but uh, it's just the way I speak. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, create getting getting those virtual instruments to sound really good actually is quite a skill. Uh, and it was it was a skill that I kind of developed early on, and it really gave me a lot of um, gave me a benefit when I was kind of starting out. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, I'm using Cubase, um, and in Cubase, I record. Uh, I got a I got a MIDI keyboard here. Um, I actually recently got this uh, keyboard. It's a Kawai VP1. Um, really fantastic weighted keys. It's personally, I think it's the the best MIDI controller out there. It feels almost like a real piano, which is saying a lot for MIDI controllers. Um, <laughs> And so I, I record I record uh, all the, all the MIDI notes in there and you know kind of tweak it and stuff, um, and in order to make the virtual instrument sound good, we need to uh, change a lot of the sort of the parameters. Um, so the you know, virtual instrument might have a uh, number of different key switches. So a key switch is again, if I play play a specific note out of the range of the instrument on my piano, it will switch the instrument from playing legato to staccato um short and long or you know all these sort of different different techniques so you can use these to um, make it sound more realistic and then you kind of change the dynamics and add all these things so you have to you have to record it like you would be thinking a real instrument or how a real orchestra would be recording this type could, of stuff could we do it like on, maybe on a future podcast a demo of that in action like you could record Record stuff while we're talking. Would that be possible? Do you think? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think so. It would, it would. Yeah, absolutely. It would take you a little bit more setup to kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry for just dumping it on you like. like <laughs> yeah, I can't do it right now. I don't have. Uh, I don't have my machines up and running to. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's impossible to do this stuff under pressure. Um, although that that's a really cool idea. So you can kind of hear the process. Um, yeah, yeah. Sound sound real. Uh, and it takes it takes a lot of work and it takes skill. Um. A lot of times, people that are starting up really struggle with this, making virtual instruments sound realistic. But you know, when when you get it all together and you mix everything together, 
and um, you have it in the background against a, a movie or something like that, you know, the average person's not even going to know, which is maybe fortunate or unfortunate, depending on what side of whether we should be using virtual instruments or real instruments yeah. you're on. I, yeah. the, the first the first experience I had was of, of composition was for the PlayStation. There was this program, this game called Music 2000. Okay. And it was... Um, you put, it's probably, I'm not sure. What age are you again? 20-something? Uh, Sorry, what? what? What age are you again? Um, Okay, I must... Sorry, say that again. How old are you? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't really hear you. Must be the Scottish accent. Um, I'm... Uh, I just had my birthday. I'm 34 now. 34. Okay, so I'm, I'm 35. So, yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation had this thing called Music 2000 where it was a game... It wasn't a game. It was. It was. It was a. Uh, what do you call those things like Garage Band and Cubase? What what do, what are they called? Um, we we call them digital audio workstation or DAW. Yeah. Uh, sequencers is another. So thing it's essentially, it was like that. But you you could um, the easiest way to build build music was from blocks. You just drag them together. Oh, cool! And you have like drums and loops and stuff. But that's uh, it. Wasn't it? Didn't really make it easy for you to. There wasn't like a MIDI interface and. So right. you plug a keyboard in there, but it allowed you to compose stuff, which is something that um, you know you can you can compose without being an instrumentalist. I guess is uh, it's just you have to have a bigger picture in your mind about what you want sound wise. Yeah, um, it definitely takes. So with with like the the way I have it set up, I have I don't know a couple hundred tracks um, of all these different instruments. Yeah. So I can kind of really switch between the different instruments anytime I want. Um, yeah, we'll have to do this live setup thing. It could be kind of cool. Um, with all the different instruments and I just, you know, click on the different instruments and I can record into it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool when you see it. Yeah. So, um, let me just, so we have some kind of reference for a listener. I'm going to play, uh, so in front of my mic from my iPhone, <laughs> so the sound quality will be like debatable. So what should we play to talk about? Should we talk play, play Path of Destiny or Into the Sunrise? What do you think? Uh, sure. Let's let's do Into the Sunrise. Yeah. There we go. Computer speakers are pretty crappy. Try to try to punch in like the real recording. <laughs> That's fine. It sounds alright for me. I mean, so those those um, symbols sound like quite realistic. Like that's the right? ST. Yeah, these are all virtual. Really? Yeah, but it sounds like he's the guy just with the. The the things that you hit the symbols with. What are they called? I'm really slow tonight. The yeah. sticks. Well, okay. So good virtual instruments aren't synthesized. Um, they're actually recorded audio clips that you stitch together. So when I have you know the symbol, right? That symbol roll. Um, yeah. It's actually a recording of a real symbol doing it, and then. I put it in a virtual instrument, so when I press the key, it's playing that back. Um, that's that's an easy way to look at it. I mean, there's there's other 
that one's simple because it's kind of like a one shot. You're recording and just sort of basically short clip and you kind of patch it in. Um, but other instruments where you want it to sound, um, you want the transitions between the notes to sound realistic. It gets a lot more complicated to, to make these instruments sound good. Um, Mm. so I'm using, um, what, which libraries am I using? Um, I'm using a, uh, library, um, by these guys. Um, I think they're in Germany. Um, they're uh, this company orchestral tools and they have a string library called berlin strings and they did a really good job recording and 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 programming these instruments um they sound really fantastic also spitfire i think they're based out in london actually um, this for cubase plugins or for everything uh yeah for everything I, i'm pretty sure they release it for all garage band um Oh, I don't. Yeah, probably. Okay, so it's not like these virtual instruments are cheap. Like, if you want stuff that actually sounds pretty good, you're you're gonna be paying thousands of dollars. Um, what I thought, I thought like hundred pounds <laughs> was a lot of money for a VST. Uh, no, I, I think I don't have the actual prices on me, but like if you go check out uh, Berlin strings or or Spitfire strings, like we're, you know, you're talking between 500 and a thousand dollars for one of those libraries. Um, and then times it by all the different libraries that I have that do slightly different things and some do things better than others. So you know, a bunch of these VSTs that I have in my template. Um, so I found our Kessel so, yeah. website here and they got two dudes sitting on a leather couch. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to skip halfway through the but for me it makes is the main thing because the musician <laughs> we gotta go see this why is there a bunch of dudes sitting on a couch hi yeah. this Hendrik from and, and yeah I mean these, these what these uh, I mean I've, I've been playing around with Cubase well I have a friend who I might come get on here he's a, he's a friend of mine called David he's got a a YouTube channel called DMT David Marshall Taylor uh, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like the guy that's first got me into music 2000 and Cubase and he still makes some some, some music. Um, quite a talented guy. And I, I'm I'm going to make some new music for my podcast because the first f- 25 episodes I had some some recording that I don't, can't remember where I got it from. So <laughs> eventually <laughs> I figured out I better take this off because I don't want some person coming back to me saying, hey, where's your attribution? I've just so not had many music for my intros uh, on my other tech podcast. But this one, I basically had a VST for this one. Uh, and I, it was basically, it's a, it's a bass line, like Influencers Cafe music, the intro I made, it, it's, a, it's a bass line, it's a drums, and it's a, it's like chords. But the drum is really, really lazy. But basically, I drag it in and it works out how to play the drums like in a certain style. Right, 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 right. Uh, this don't tell is, me this is... you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't use loops too much any these days. I kind of program the things because well, uh, especially when I'm doing film music, you have to have certain things like they have to fit exactly. Um, mm. So it's kind of hard to do pre-recorded things like specific pre-recorded things too. Um, get so how do you do? Fit. How do you add drums to your tracks if you're not a drummer? Maybe you're a drummer. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm not really, but um, you can play drums on the keyboard, for example. You just have uh, uh, some sort of VST that has different different drum sounds mapped to different 
keys on the that's piano. Really just... That's a really laborious process because to, to go and edit all that stuff, is just, you have to re-record it again and you have to quantize it. And Maybe it's maybe maybe if you did it a lot, then it'd be easy, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, the that's that's the easy part. <laughs> right. Yeah, you get, you get pretty quick at that. Uh, so um, I use tons of keyboard shortcuts. Right. So, you know, I got a keyboard shortcut for quantize and I can keyboard shortcut to switch the different sort of values of quantization. You know, if I want to quantize the end of the note, like you just hit that button and, um, you know, there's just tons of different stuff. I hate going through menus because um, yeah. <laughs> that takes forever. Uh, but if you, 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 get, you get, you know, the it becomes becomes your sort of tool, right? You, you get rid it becomes an instrument in a way you get really familiar with how everything works. Um, so you can get really quick with all the keyboard shortcuts and, um, yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, you really want the technology sort of like disappear in the background so you can focus on yeah. music creating instead of the, yeah. I don't know. Why isn't this working? I, I hate trying to do music on the Apple Mac keyboard. Yeah. They've actually got like a, a mapped keyboard that comes up and right. got like, 15 yeah. notes and like if you want to do an octave you have to press z and all this stuff so yeah. i want to get i want to get a nice traveling keyboard because you can get one now that if it's it's magnetically clips together so you basically have these four rectangles and it's like it's on kickstarter but it's like 400 quid or something but you can actually travel with this like full-size keyboard but it's but it this it disconnects and you can just like fit it all together and it lights up and you know like it's going to I don't know if you've heard of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm just, I, I think I have one around here. I'm just trying to see if I can see it. It's somewhere. Yeah, I got. I have a little. I got a little travel keyboard that I that I use just plug in my laptop if I'm um, on the road. Uh, but I can't find it. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere around here. MIDI. MIDI is the most annoying standard. It's like, why is it still around? You know. Okay. We should. We should... <laughs> it's it's terrible. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, but everybody supports it. It's it's the uh, network effect, right? Yeah. Um, all the major DAWs support it. In fact, there's there's really no other options. Like, what are we gonna do instead? Um, I'm yeah. kind of a supporter of the open sound control pro protocol. It's not exactly yeah. the same. It's not necessarily a competing protocol to midi um but it could i i really do think midi kind of needs to be updated i mean they talk about updating it all the time but all they do is sort of like they don't actually change anything they yeah. just sort of add a new feature and it's yeah it's, it's really dumb yeah what's what's this uh, keyboard thing you were talking now, about i searched for on google shopping foldable midi keyboard and all i have is these little like it's like fabric that rolls up into some it's just absolutely dreadful thing to use, but there is something that's that's being made that is like wow. If I was like doing what you do and I went and I travel a lot, then I would like this would be like the best investment ever, you know. Well, I do have this little mini 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 keyboard that works really well for me. So yeah, I don't know. Send send me the link when you find it because I'm yeah yeah. About it. So this, just a disclaimer to my listeners, I've been doing music since I was eight. So if I, if this uh, show isn't that accessible, then then that's just tough luck. So, cause... <laughs> yeah, we're totally geeking out on the music side of things. Yeah, yeah, we're like geeks and we're, we're also like in music. So, <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes I get a little bit tired of doing software all the time. So like, 
it would be good to but like if I wanted to, to make a make some living from music I would do, like there's too much to catch up you know like the industry's like way ahead so it's just a hobby <laughs> for me really it, you know it's it's really interesting because I did music so much like the um um the programming side of things is is uh you know, I do I do music more than I do programming. So yeah. programming to me is like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> but what the stuff that you do programming is really advanced stuff. It's like you're making like audio drivers for for the for like Apple. You know, like yeah, you just roll out of bed and just like do you know. <laughs> so you have really good programming chops there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, it's it's. I guess so. I don't know. Maybe I undersell myself. Um, you know, I enjoy doing it, which is kind of fun. Like, like I said earlier, again, um, it's it really it really uh, scratches the same itch as uh, composing music. You're creating something out of nothing. You're yeah. really you're really being creative. Like with with programming, you could literally create anything you want, um, which is really 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 cool. Um, and uh, sort of similar in music, you know, you start with nothing, and you can create, um, who knows what. Um, it's really, really fantastic. Um, I've, so I, I do combine a little bit of the two. So I do some um, music programming, uh, where I've written, written uh, procedurally generated music, code that that writes music. Um, uh-huh. Did I, Did I share that with you last time? Uh don't think so okay um so there's a uh i can i can share a a youtube video of some of the stuff that i've Luma done keys has an astonishing um yeah look give me a second let me just look this up keyboard. Also works with Rolly Professional software, now I'm, I'm such as Rolly Studio Player, working on major DAWs like some, and Logic Pro. some newer so versions up, kind of Lumi like will take you to the next of, level we can't wait to share what, what we've built. Learned since I did this. So this is actually three years old already. Um, here, I'm gonna send you the link right now. Oh, I found the keyboard. I found the keyboard. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. It's called Lumi. Send me the link. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, and it lights up with different colors as well. Believe it or not, Lumi Roller or something like that. Yeah, I've got that link you sent me. Oh yeah, let there we go. Let me just let me just oh, stick it into cool. the show note. But um, it's, honestly, it's, it's like the t- it, yeah, it's it's the same size as the the uh, little portable keyboard that I have. Uh, the only difference is it lights up. Yeah, yeah, but you can connect multiple ones together. That's the killer oh, feature. Yeah, oh, that is kind of cool. Huh? I'll have to I'll have to look into it more. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Moonlight procedurally generated Beethoven. Oh yeah, is that like you know that? So like M- 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 machine learning stuff. Uh, no, this one's not machine learning. So it's uh, um, I've I've tweaked I've played around with that, but this one's not. So it's actually just kind of hard coded. Um, but in, in a nutshell, what it does is um, I have this that same sort of that moonlight sonata pattern do 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 sort of thing. And yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just randomly choosing between major and minor chords. It's it's pretty random. Uh, I'm just going to any sort of random chord, and then I have some sort of random melody that's generated up on the top. Um, fundamentally, it's really simple. But if you take a listen to it, it sounds really musical. Yeah, I'm listening to it now. It sounds great. 
Um, but creating creating procedurally like code generated music that sounds good is really hard. Um, I don't know if you recently listened to the uh, Amazon um, their AI composition thing that they just did a little while ago. Do you remember that at all? No, I don't know. What's that? Um, they, they created this AI keyboard. Um, personally, I think it's really dumb. And they just, they did, uh, they wrote a song using it. I don't know. They hired some um, musician. I can't remember who it was. Uh, but like, it just, it sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we are. A- Amazon AI keyboard. Uh, send you a link here. We're going to have a bunch of... I'm, I'm going to paste all these links into the show notes. I'm, I'm actually doing the show notes now so that people can... Oh, it's can not sure. Stuff. It's not um, yeah, it, it, so they, they released it and then and then BBC, like, the same day released an article about how terrible it was. <laughs> 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 like, nice. I mean, it was it was it was bad. Like it was really bad. I think what it was, it was more of a tech demo of um to kind of show off other things they were working on. But it just <laughs> in terms of music quality and all that kind of stuff, it was really really terrible. Um, that this this is the the new, ver- a, the new AI keyboard is confusing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it's yeah, it's just it's just really bad. The music, yeah, right, yeah, right for the article. The music it creates just sounds bad. <laughs> right in the article. Oh yeah, there are links to the BBC article. Yeah, let me let me send that link to. Uh, so like, I guess you, are you worried that AI could, in a sense, take your job at one point? Uh, okay, no, I don't. Um, I think AI is in general it's it's a tool it's a really kind of useful tool and when it comes to creatives um it's a tool just like um using a computer is a tool for composing so i think the um the real benefit is going to be when composers are using these tools to help them with the compositional process so i don't necessarily have the computational capability of you know, going through trillions of poss- possibilities to find what works, but maybe uh, some AI program could. Okay, so I have like uh, a situation where I need this to fit into this. Um, instead of like spending an hour trying to figure it out, maybe I can get um, the AI to assist with that to make it better. But all the all the AI completely AI generated music um, that I've heard, all of it just sounds bad. It just um, doesn't sound. I mean, even if it sounded good, I wouldn't want to listen to it. To be honest, I'd rather have something that a person created. You know, um, there, there's one exception. There's this composer David Cope, and uh, he wrote some, did some machine learning stuff back 15 years ago, um, and it's fantastic. It's really good. Just the way that he did it, um, it, it, sound, it sounds really, really great. And there's nothing that I've heard um, that can come even close to what he did. Uh, he got a little scared, I think, because his algorithms are so fantastic. 
um, and uh-huh. the results are so great that he actually destroyed his algorithm. So he, his all, all his work is gone. Yeah, he has some examples. He released a couple albums using it, and that's it. Like, is there he, like any links we can listen to? Like, send. Yeah. Um, let me let me look him up here. He destroyed his algorithm, but why is he fading when he put everyone at the job or something? And it's like... I I think so. It was sort of earlier on on this. Um, with all this type of stuff and I, I think he was just just yeah worried that that it would dilute the quality of music by having um making it too easy for everybody to yeah so yeah this is this is this is his website here um mm-hmm. and david Cope. Uh, yeah, just you check his stuff out because it's really fantastic but in general i I think um to really answer that question about ai um if you if you look at uh first of all people never stop creating music like that will never happen um people create music because they enjoy doing music yeah sure and people enjoy going to concerts because they enjoy going to concerts um that is never going to go away it doesn't matter how much ai there is um sure uh but ai if you look at if you look at chess players, um, and <laughs> I know where you're so going. <laughs> there's for the longest time, um, computers can beat humans in chess, and then human, uh, then computers can beat humans in chess. But the best chess player in the world is not a computer or a human. It's actually the combination of both. And I really think it's kind of going to be the same with music, like going forward. So I, I really don't think. people creating music is ever going to go away and people are not going to stop playing chess because there's (laughs) some ai that's better than them um that's just not going to happen i wish we had an ai in it right now that could create a vaccine for the coronavirus oh yeah that's crazy how how are things out there and um everybody's worried in london mate oh really yeah, like, we, we were all kind of hard-faced about it, like, yeah, whatever, you know, so a lot of people just like, yeah, we're just going to work, but, but like, we're just at the start of this thing, and, and like, people are already, like, apparently some some items are, like, hard to get, like, hand sanitizer, masks, so, and I was in the hospital tonight visiting a friend, and, like, the place was full, but it wasn't, wasn't full of, like, people with the virus, so, like, if we have a hundred times more people and already, already like the phone lines are not being answered for like nine, one, 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 one calls for doctors. Like people are like thousands of people are getting like not getting through to worried about viruses. So like this is just the start. So if it gets a hundred times worse, then then I'm going to go to Scotland and just sit up there for a bit, you know, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less people out there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, I mean it's maybe not so crazy here. I mean in Vancouver, um amazingly, um we we have lots of people that um with you know from that have families back in China and like a lot of them kind of go back and visit. Um yeah. But there's been a few cases here, but I don't think we have that level of mass hysteria yet. But we'll probably we hysteria, but we but it's like it, it it could get bad pretty quick, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah. yeah it's only time time will tell see uh kind of what happens here but yeah you fancy taking a break for five or ten minutes yeah yeah sure because we're both getting a bit tired okay i'll pause it <laughs> 
Okay, so our uh, five-minute break was basically uh, nine hours because I went to sleep and um, Devin did his work, whatever he's doing. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> so now that I have a fresh mind, uh, let's get back to the topic of musical composition or at least how your, your process is. Sure. Um, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll talk most more most specifically about film music because that's mostly what I deal with. Um, uh, the, the process with film music, uh, so there's, you know, a producer or director that is creating this project. Um, music's one of the last things that actually ends up in the production. Um, so, you know, roughly they, they come up with some sort of vague timeline inevitably, everything just ends up taking longer than expected. So, um, but they, they never push back the release date, right? So just composers usually end up with less time. <laughs> um, so it usually starts with, uh, um, you know, a talk about sort of the concept of the film. Uh, then we have a, um, a meeting, call it a spotting session. We go through and look at all the different spots in the film that, that need music and uh, talk about maybe sort of the, some of the general general ideas. A lot of films are um, sure. uh, tempted with music um, from other films or soundtracks or who knows where, um, and uh, composers need to write original music to kind of replace that. Um, now that's kind of a blessing and the curse sometimes. Um, with temp music, sometimes the directors get really married to the the temp music because they've spent so much time um, hearing it and seeing it with that temp music. So it, it mm-hmm. gets it gets a little complicated sometimes. Uh, there's there's some famous examples of of temp music that has ended up in the final film. The probably the most famous example is uh, 2001: Space Odyssey. You know the the classic. Whatever it is, that um, yeah, that was that was originally temp music. They had hired a composer to uh, write original score for it, but the um, director uh, really, really liked that temp music, and uh, it it ended up being there. I mean, it's it's so iconic now. Um, but yeah, it's from it's from a, a, a score by. Uh, 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 Ricard Strauss, um, also Sprock Zarathustra, um, really, really famous. Okay, so we got we got this uh, a spotting session, um, and after that, um, <coughs> the you know I go back to my uh, studio setup here and f- kind of figure out the timing of all the different cues and maybe write some themes depending on. Um, for the different characters or places and um uh kind of write that stuff out uh, um, i'll use midi stuff i mean it depends on the budget of the project like if it's if there's uh um a budget for a live orchestra which would be awesome um <laughs> I still I still do like the MIDI stuff and mock it up, send it off to the producers, directors. Um, you know, they sign off with it. Uh with with 
recording live orchestra, it's really expensive. And so you want to make sure everyone's happy before we go to that stage um, because it's really yeah. expensive if you need to uh, change stuff. And that's happened on a number of different films where <laughs> the, you know, the producer and director sign off on the music and then they go and record it and then they decide afterwards they, they don't like it. Um, it always ends up uh, – it's a situation you don't want to be in. Um. Uh, but so, uh, I'll talk more about my sort of composition process in in a moment. But uh, if if I'm recording with a live orchestra, usually bring in orchestrators. Um, uh, orchestrators will take the the MIDI stuff that I write in my sequencer, um, and they'll turn that into uh, written notes for. Oh, nice. I thought that you'd have to do that yourself. Well, I mean, it, like I do a lot of work. I've done a lot of that type of work for other composers. Um, so depending mm-hmm. on kind of the budget or how many, I will either do it myself or hire someone else to do it. I mean, it really, it really kind of depends on the context. It's a lot of work. So another aspect is deadline, right? If things are really, really tight, you need to ask other people to come in. And, uh, I think you know, there's always, there's always like a community of, um, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody. And so inevitably when things get busy, um, we always just ca- kind of call around and find people to kind of help out. Um, yeah, then they record it, um, mix it and, uh, then throw it in the film. Although interestingly enough, um, what gets recorded isn't necessarily exactly what ends up in the final film because maybe they make some last minute changes or um, who knows. And so things get edited a little bit. Uh, that's usually the job of the music editor. Uh, that, that's kind of the, the process of film. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Compositional process. So if, um, I'm working to a scene. I guess it really depends on the type of film um if i'm doing i've done a lot of work in animation and in animation you you kind of hit a lot of the action that's happening on scene on the screen uh you don't uh like like cartoons right the we call it mickey mousing where you're mimicking everything that's happening on the screen with music um if you do that with live action films, it sounds really cheesy. Um, and so it only really works in in the comedies because uh, <laughs> it just it's, it just sounds goofy, um, just so so different than than um, animated stuff. I guess like in movies, there's certain things that like let me see, like maybe. Um I don't know, somebody's sharpening a knife or something, they're not going to use, like, probably the real sound. They'll probably use a... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about the subject, but I can imagine that certain effects they just add in. Yeah, so that's that's the art of... Um, it's called folly. Uh, and they take anything you could possibly imagine to kind of recreate the sound of... It's not, it's not the actual sound. It's what the sound that people expect to hear. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, things like 
footsteps are always louder in film than they are in reality. Um, but they give this sort of impression that things are um, <laughs> walking. I, there's there's so many different things that we we expect that should sound like a certain thing, and um, uh, in film they they just they make it happen, even though it's not <laughs> it's not really what it actually sounds like. Yeah, it's kind of. Kind of yeah, like laser blast in space. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, there's no sound in space. <laughs> <laughs> um, or or um, what's what's another one? Um, when there's a lightning strike, you hear the thunder immediately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine like Transformers, like all the sounds delayed by like half a half a second, you know? But <laughs> right. So it's it's you know it's the expectation. I mean, it's entertainment, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> some people do a really good job of creating creating those sort of sound effects to make them really really fit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So with with music, um, so I'll have in my sequencer, I'll I'll kind of figure out where those spots are that I need to hit, and I'll, I'll make I'll make a mark of the time code uh, on those spots, and then. Um, if I got some themes or some ideas, I might kind of tweak that around. And then I sort of figure out sort of the general tempo and adjust my tempos or meters, uh, time signatures to make everything sort of fit. And then it's, you know, if you have if you have all the uh, themes and stuff written already, then it's sort of just like you know, plug them in where you need to um, and kind of come up with, uh, um, you kind of flush it out with the orchestration techniques um or you know uh what instrument's going to play the melody um what kind of harmony textures and and all that kind of stuff to kind of fill it up make it sound uh musical if it's just a melody it's kind of boring right so it it's uh everything with film music is in in service to what's on the screen and a good film score um stands out when it needs to but it also just knows how to um be in the background at the right moment you don't want music to be taking away from the picture you're supposed to it's supposed to be there to enhance it not to Mm -hmm. it's you know the music isn't the primary focus of a film so yeah that that basically sums it up i do also use um, so, I do also use like uh, we talked about virtual instrument stuff. I do use some synths. Um, kind of the main synth I use is uh, Omnisphere. Um, it has a bunch of stuff. What's, uh, what's Omnisphere. Omnisphere. Yeah. Um, they they have Spe- Spectrosonics is the name of the uh, Omnisphere. I can send you. A, oh yeah. Oh, did you get it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like What's I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. That's kind of my go-to one. There's just there's like a ton of things there. Um, there's like thousands of different sounds, and so usually what I do is I'll if there's something, you know, I want this uh, type of airy um, voice type sound. I'll you know I'll search something like that on there, and then if I get close, then I'll sort of like tweak the parameters till it's the exact sound that I want. Uh, so yeah, it works. It works pretty well. 
I love the like the UI in that program. That's crazy. I actually kind of hate it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you do. <laughs> um, Why? <laughs> um, it's it might look cool, but it's it's definitely not intuitive. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just always the UI. Uh, just always always have issues with the ui on that program <laughs> so yeah might look cool not very practical <laughs> um, i know they have a few other products maybe there's some some of their newer ones might be a little little better um but yeah <laughs> it's kind of funny they haven't they haven't updated it either i feel like they could have done a lot to improve it but uh, i don't know it's it's probably every everybody that writes film music has has omnisphere it's like the thing that everybody has um and does that work for like garage band and, and or like logic and stuff? uh yeah i imagine i imagine so it's um yeah it's gonna work with every major daw um well i see this picture of this like film studio with this really expensive piano and like sequencer and then you've got this big screen in the front of the guy atmosphere and you see this red oh, yeah. background yeah 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 <laughs> um i don't even know who this is um top artists all over the world rely on atmosphere as an essential source of sonic inspiration um I bet you it costs like a thousand. Oh, it's only four hundred. <laughs> it's only four hundred. There, there you go. Um, only four hundred. Uh, although I feel like I. So am I? Am I? It, yeah. Go ahead. So in my composition adventures, I'm using GarageBand, and I'm just like, there's just so much sounds that I don't know what to do with. You know, there's so many different types of like things. Like sounds for like different things, you know. Yeah. Like I've got so many bases. Like I've got analog bass sequence, bass wave cycles, busy art bass, click bass, deep bass, deep groove bass, English canal. Is like that. And that's just the bass sounds. That's no sorry. That's just synth bass under the arpeggiator. Oh yeah. No, there's a lot. Um, I, I guess it can kind of be overwhelming at first, uh, but you you kind of learn the tools and. And and uh, it it's almost like you never get enough different sounds because you never can find the one that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you kind of get used to it. You also you also find ones that are your favorite that you you kind of really learn the sound and you learn how to tweak it and get to what you want. Um, yeah, it just takes time and experience, I think. One one thing that's kind of weird is like, I, I in GarageBand if you're if you have, if you're recording a VST with MIDI and you change some of the the settings like harmonics, filters, chorus, the GarageBand will remember those settings, but there's nothing in the MIDI spec that stores that data, so like it's not really portable. Um, it'd be nice if like you could sort of encode this information in MIDI somehow. Yeah, like, well, I don't think that that's probably not a thing for MIDI because. Uh, well, MIDI, MIDI, as we discussed earlier, is just extremely limited. Um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Those those parameters are um, well. I I guess you could. So this is what you could do. Um, you can map each of those settings to 
a MIDI CC. So the MIDI CCs are continuous controllers. Um, and there's 127 of them in the MIDI spec. And so for plugins, you can actually have um, assign different knobs to different MIDI CCs. And you could record those and save them um, as part of the MIDI thing. But if you if right. you go to a new DAW, you would have to reassign those things. Um, but the data would be there. Um, yeah, the yeah. unfortunate uh, issue with MIDI is it's 7-bit data, <laughs> which is kind of lame. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's it doesn't have a huge amount of resolution. Um, yeah, yeah. Which would... I can I can imagine like it's like um, like some of those some of those synths you can you can create really cool sounds by changing the the settings. You know, like the certain to make the thing feel like it's moving and right. and, and dynamically, but. Uh, because you're really limited if you're just pressing the keyboard and, and you, you're limited by volume, you know. Or... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's what what the solution is. I mean, maybe I always um, with a friend of mine, we always joke about uh, uh, building a new DAW that <laughs> solves all our problems. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really big project, and. Uh, uh, Solving solving whose problems like my problems specifically, uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I don't think that's um, gonna happen anytime soon. <laughs> do, do, do you know any other um, do you know any other composers that can turn out like Mac sound drivers? Um, uh, nope, but I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I have I have a few friends that are that know how to program, but uh, you know, I tell them about. There are composers that program, and um, you wouldn't. But you wouldn't let them do a pull request on Black Hole or something. Like <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I told them about like Black Hole. I think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they might not be wrong about that. Uh, but I, I just in, in life in general, like if there's something I want to do, I just kind of go and do it. Um, <laughs> Black Hole is kind of no different in that regard. I mean, there was a lot of pounding my head against the wall to figure out how things work the core audio is probably the most confusing api like on the face of the planet um but once you kind of get the hang of how everything works in there um uh, yeah it's not so bad i guess um but i still come across things where it just just straight up doesn't work and there's really necess- no explanation. There's no documentation to tell you why it's not working. Um, maybe if I'm lucky, I can find some example code somewhere that I can copy. But it's, it's yeah. Um, <laughs> audio driver development on Mac OS is not for the light of heart. <laughs> yeah, same, same with trying to develop applications for like old Samsung smart televisions oh yeah it's sometimes a bit tricky yeah. yeah i guess any of that stuff where you don't have a good amount of documentation um you kind of you know you, you it really feels like you have to learn everything from the beginning every single time you do it <laughs> yeah so when when you get a 
a movie is, is typically so you're putting your markers in for the time of the various bits milestones mm-hmm. I guess that's full final it must be frustrating if the editing changes like the edit video edit oh yeah um, oh. and it inevitably happens sometimes so uh, music is you know it's one of the last things that goes in and the, one of the reasons why it's the last thing that goes in is because we kind of need locked picture so we can make everything yeah. fit um, but then you get like locked picture final final edit version two like great oh, no. <laughs> they they shave off two or three frames which just kind of messes everything up um <laughs> so you gotta like tweak you know move move your markers over a little bit um uh it it doesn't happen a huge amount but it definitely does happen um and if it's off by if it's off by a couple of frames, then you got to like change things, and and you got to like spend hours and hours in front of a screen doing doing edits to your audio. And- yeah, um, if you know, hopefully they're just simple, uh, simple fixes. But you know, sometimes it's really painful. Um, sometimes I feel like it's easier to just like rewrite stuff than than uh, you know, if there's like a lot of changes, it's it's easier to rewrite stuff than try to make stuff that you already wrote yeah. work. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not they're not like removing like a whole bar, so you can just like chunk out your <laughs> melody for like a bar. They're they're, they're doing like right, exactly. you know point zero one seven seven seconds or something. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't they don't care what tempo I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Usually with that, and probably go ahead. Yeah, yeah, probably they don't understand how hard it is to actually do the music stuff. Some of the guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think as editors and directors and producers get more experience, they're less inclined to do that type of stuff. I find that the hardest is um, younger, um, less experienced producers and directors. That you know, it's their it's their baby, right? Maybe this is like their first project or major project they've worked on so they're really spending a lot of time thinking about it and so everything is so personal like those those few frames that they chop out like there's <laughs> there's like a personal connection um and it, you know it means <laughs> something i as opposed to i feel like people with more experience are more willing to let um uh let other people take charge and make decisions and uh, um, let the, you know, they might not necessarily be experts in certain fields. And they, so they let other people make those decisions as opposed to micromanaging yeah. and being hands on. Um, yeah. I think that just comes with experience. Um, so. If you're working with any new producers, then you can send them this podcast to listen to so that they don't have to upset you. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, it's like it's like a rant you're having, but not directly at them. It's like via me, <laughs> third party yeah, rant. I'm not I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Yeah, it's, it, but yeah, it's definitely been the the um, you know, if I'm like a, a short film that you know for someone you know someone's first short film that they've ever worked on that seems to be a lot more um, notes and stuff that they're 
want to change and everything has to be perfect. And I'm not saying that, you know, the bigger stuff is not perfect. It's just they, um, when you have less experience, you're less willing to, um, kind of let go if that makes sense. Yeah. So that song that we played um, a few um, hours ago, what was it? Was it, was it was it Into the Sunrise or was it Path of Destiny? Uh, I think I we know. did Into the Sunrise. Um, so that one, let me just play it again for myself to remember. So do you start, do you start with, um, so you have like, say, two minutes to make a, a piece. What instruments do you typically start with? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a real answer to that one. It kind of depends. Uh, yeah. So I, I I hear I hear a lot of music in my head. So I can I can do a lot of lot of work just in my head, kind of thinking about it. Maybe sitting on the piano and tweaking it. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, depending on the context, like I think in this 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 scene, um, well, this this series is up on Netflix, um, and in this scene. Um, uh, troll hunters. So they were they were underground for a really long time, and finally comes um, up to the surface. And uh, uh, so there's a number of different emotions that that are kind of being experienced here. And um, right at right at the beginning, I think it's just sort of like relief and maybe a little bit of sadness. So uh, um, I'm thinking. Um, you know, a solo instrument to to capture to capture that. I, actually, I don't even remember what instrument it is right now. Is it a a clarinet or something? Uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, it's a sense yeah, like a clarinet, clarinet yeah. at the beginning. So I have these sort of high strings, just kind of holding this sound. Um, uh, while while it's playing that, and then you get samples coming in. Yeah, and so it has, and then I think the words are like hope and joy or something like that. One of the characters says that, um, and then that's where these sort of string swell comes, like hope or whatever, right? And then it sort of really kind of fits that emotion. Um, and there's there's a number of different themes here. Um. Um, so the different characters all have different themes um, that that play when they're either being talked about or in the focus for that moment. Um, yeah, I, all all of this is virtual instruments, right? So mm-hmm. um, bigger sort of orchestral swell there, and there's like a moment where it kind of comes up. Um, uh, he's Jim, who's a kind of main character here. He's he's climbing up a rock, and he gets to the top, and the sun. This is like the first time he's really seen the sun, and who knows how long. And it's just this like massive swell, and his theme kind of comes out in sort of full force um, to kind of show that moment of of glory. Um, of strings like the full orchestra is there you got the french horns playing the melody along with the strings and a bunch of textures kind of with the woodwinds um and how many how many 
channels tracks do you have at this point <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i would have to look it up um <laughs> i can't even guess a 50 bunch. i'm probably doing 50 tracks at this point <laughs> i think <laughs> like i said i have to look it up um but i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised um this is all uh, midi. It's all midi, yeah. That's, that's um, good. But you know, with with knowing the kind of the right skills to manipulate midi to make these virtual instruments sound good, um, uh, you can you can do a decent job. Assuming that you have virtual instruments that can sound good, I mean, you can't. There's. I, I can't I can't deal with the ones from like GarageBand. I mean, you you can you can only Why? take them. Good <laughs> right, I can only take them so far. Uh, but to me, they'll always sound fake. Right, it's just nothing I can <laughs> nothing I can do. What the GarageBand ones? Yeah. Or? Well, I mean, if 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 you're just doing like synths and drums and that type of stuff, you can kind of get away with it because um, they're, they're loops and synths, right? I mean, they supposed to sound yeah. like synths um but if yeah. you have an orchestra that sounds like a bunch of synths it's not <laughs> it's not gonna sound great so i guess it depends on what you're trying to achieve right would you say that most blockbusters use a live orchestra or would you say some films you'd be surprised that they're vsts um i would say blockbuster like all the big budget stuff is all gonna be a uh, live orchestra um but you would be surprised to know that sometimes they uh, mix in a bunch of samples um, so it also depends on who the composer is Um, like uh, uh, Zimmer he he was kind of one of the main guys to start doing these samples and stuff Um, and uh, yeah you you would be surprised Um, I, I bet a lot of his samples end up in in his film scores, so it really it really kind of depends. Do you collect your own samples? Um, sometimes I haven't done anything recently, uh, but um, I've I've made virtual instruments um, for uh, composers, done some custom stuff, I've um, recorded some crazy stuff. Um, uh, a project that I just worked on. Um, Top secret. Can't really talk about it. Um, um, but I ended up doing a recording a lot of my own stuff. Um, so because I play violin and piano, and I just happened to have a whole bunch of it was sort of like a medieval fantasy thing, and uh, I have happened to have a whole bunch of medieval <laughs> uh, instruments, uh, uh, some some flutes that I was gifted, and I have. A, I have a dulcimer and uh um yeah I play violin um so there's there was a lot of stuff that I could end up recording for this project which is really really kind of fun. So it was actually took a little nice. bit of a different approach instead of doing a bunch of um virtual instruments I actually just recorded a whole bunch of stuff. It was really fun to work on. Um nice. But yeah, and you hopefully that wouldn't be edited out and Oh, this is Change. They they seem to really like it, so I, I would be surprised if that's the case. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll I'll take uh, contact. Is kind of the main sampler that uh, that that I would use to program uh, virtual instruments. 
so samplers so you record um take record samples of an instrument so say i'm doing well here i got got this little uh zither thing right so i might i might record each different note and i'll use contact and i would map those out to my on my keyboard so i would um each key that i would play on my keyboard would would re, um play one of those recorded samples from from this instrument uh yeah i love these live sounds on my <laughs> podcast They're brilliant uh, so uh, you know i've done i've done that a few times too um yeah i got a, I got a number of different instruments in here what else i got um got a ukulele i think this is a kid's ukulele my, I don't know why it's actually in my office, but it's probably really out of tune. Yeah, it sounds really out of tune. It's, a, it's like a orange. <laughs> Can you see that? Um, yeah, yeah. Orange ukulele. What else do I got? I got I got my violin, and I'm maybe not gonna pull up. I got I was gifted this uh, really cool flute. Um, this is uh, this is a Native American flute. Um, Whoa. Uh, so uh, a friend of my mother's like collected instruments and she's um kind of retired now and uh really s- slowing down and she decided to give away a bunch of her instruments and so i ended up with a couple of them it's really cool Yeah, really, really. Dang, is that is that like how old is that thing? Do you think? Um, it's it's not old. It's not a, it's not a really. It's yeah. Some someone made it relatively recently. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but it's designed. Uh, you know, it's hand handcrafted. It's got this uh, eagle, um, thing on it, and uh, um, you know, it was built in the same way as um. Uh, the traditional Native American flutes. I don't. Is the is the is the fingering the same as a recorder? Uh, no, it's not the same as a recorder. Um, it's. I honestly, I don't know exactly how this one works. Um, there's, there's like a a round hole on the on on. I don't know if you can see that. There's a round hole at the end that you blow yeah, through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this this little part that you sort of tie it on here that. Uh, so you can't you can't overblow like you would on a on a recorder, right? That's overblowing. Yeah, it's really cool instrument. Um, let's see any other. That's amazing. <laughs> any other cool things I can show you in here? I could probably pull out that. Uh, uh, dulcimer that i have uh, let's see where is it I, still, I don't know what a dulcimer is so <laughs> looking forward to finding out um so this one is a this is an appalachian dulcimer um i don't i'm not like a historian on dulcimers or anything like that um so i probably can't answer <laughs> many of you. it sounds like a medical instrument a dulcimer a dulcimer hey nurse get the dulcimer all right it's gonna be out of tune, but uh, um, yeah, this is what it looks like. It's a big, long um, string instrument. 
Um, it's got frets on it, this one. And, uh, um, yeah, it's going to be out of tune. Oops. Oh, nice. Oh, my, my headphone. Oops. Sorry about that. That's, that's going to sound <laughs> great. Yeah. It sounds like I really know how to play it. It sounds like a, it sounds like a guitar. Yeah, it's kind of like a guitar. With more resonance. Yeah, definitely more resonance. Um, the the strings aren't going to be as tight as a guitar. Uh, it has it has tuning um, tuning pegs like a guitar, so I can kind of tune up these strings. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm not, I, I have to read a little bit more about this one. So I'm not a, I'm not an expert on on uh, Appalachian dulcimer, but it's, this is a really gorgeous instrument. If you can see, there's this. Oh, it's really. What is that? Looks like uh, mahogany or something. Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I don't. Know. I, think, I think the side here is maple. This might be. I think this is mahogany on the uh, the fingerboard yeah. here because that looks nice and straight and darker. Um, but this is like curly maple. You can see on the back here. And whoever made this is like put yeah. put these little patterns, these designs on the back. It's really really gorgeous instrument. That looks. It looks really um, good. Yeah, and then violin. I play violin and fiddle and piano. I got some guitars here. I got a broken viola. A broken viola. <laughs> so um, uh-huh. my sister, uh, someone gave her a busted viola. So I, I got to get that fixed. Um, I do play viola too. Um, picked it up a couple years ago. Um, and uh, <laughs> word got around and now I'm playing viola in a Baroque orchestra. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently if you if you if you play viola, you'll you'll never not have a job because they always need need these guys, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody wants to play viola; they're always the butt of jokes. But uh, when it comes <laughs> comes down to it, you need violas and orchestras, and so like, oh, we play viola. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so, so I've got a bunch of bunch of drums. I have a I have an Irish. Uh, Irish drum here, where um, I don't see it anywhere. Uh, a bowron, bowron. I don't know how to say it properly. Uh, cool, buddy. Well, I think it's getting kind of late for you. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't know this stuff is fun, yeah. though. But yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, yeah, having me fun. on and talking about this stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, buddy. And we'll need to get like a, a live master class class at some point. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, a few months, yeah. Hook up all my stuff, and uh, we could we could uh, write some music live on uh, on your podcast. That'd be cool. Okay, cool, cool, Devin. Well, um, anything you want to share for our audience before we wrap oh, up? No, I think we've talked about a lot of stuff. This has been fun. Cool. All right. Well, um, thanks, Devin, for your time. And thanks for, uh, for everybody for joining in. Lynn Cafe. See you again shortly. Bye-bye.